It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also check us out on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we'll look ahead to the Monday night affair against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the Giants now coming back from the bye. Joe Judge and a few players spoke to the media the other day, so we'll recap that as players got back on the practice field for the first time in a few days. And the optimism is probably more high than we had anticipated previously at any point this season, Jeff, in terms mm-hmm. of maybe for this Bucks game having pretty much all hands on deck, specifically Andrew Thomas at the left tackle position and Saquon Barkley returning after nursing, of course, that ankle injury that he suffered against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, it'd be great. I mean, if you're uh, if you're one of the guys on the team, you got to sit there and look at the, when you're all hands on deck. You got them all. I mean, this is kind of uh, you're looking forward to playing a team, not looking forward to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You just came off of two went two losses, <laughs> so but it's kind of nice. I mean, you get these guys back, and now we get a real look at this football team going into the second half of the season to kind of understand what this team can do and you know we can look ahead the team doesn't but we can and look at the schedule and how it goes but hey they've got a chance and um you know the way that these teams came out of the weekend there's still always a chance heading forward and that's all you could really ask for at this point but to answer your question Lance I think it's pretty exciting if you're uh one of the guys in the locker room knowing that you got your guys are coming back and at full strength probably you know with I guess coming out of training camp, the team was pretty full strength. But, I mean, this is getting close to what you really wanted to be, and let's see what happens. Yeah, coming out of training camp, entering that first game, they pretty much had the offensive personnel, with the exception of, of course, you lost two guys on the offensive line, but those were injuries that occurred more so with respect to training camp. Nick Gates, I should say, was available week when he got hurt against Washington in week two. So you had some injuries that you were dealing with on the offensive line. But to your point, Jeff, you pretty much had all your wide receiving options and your running backs and your tight ends. Just unfortunately, after that, it became really a game of musical chairs. You had one guy return then another guy leave and so forth. I mean, I'm looking through the list of games played for all the offensive personnel. Tony has been involved in eight games. But remember, he was slow in the early stages of the season because he was working his way back right from injury and COVID. Sterling's been here for five. Kenny Galladay, six. Evan Ingram, seven. Darius Slayton, six. John Ross, six. And Saquon, five. So as you could tell, Jeff, all those numbers, right, fluctuate all across the board in terms of the offensive personnel. Yeah, because, you know, at that wide receiver position, we were always talking about who's going to be able to get on the field because they got so many of them. And then, of course, that went away. But now I guess the question is who are you going to be, who's going to be your five guys, you know? So I think the special teams, obviously, we talk about that all the time that has a play in it. Uh, who's going to be the returner coming out of uh, the bye week? And um, I'm sure that, the you know, Farrell Cooper was a guy that was in there before the bye week, and he'll probably still be – in there again, but I think Kadarius Tony is a guy that you kind of want to get some reps for him, and so that's exciting. And um, you know, coming out of the bye week, I tell you, it's it's this is a perfect bye week 
schedule, if you will, like the Giants get it right at the middle of the season. You know, sometimes I remember when I was playing, we would get them very early, like the first weekend that they had the buys, and you would be like, oh, are you kidding me? Why? How do we get the buy now? I mean, now we got the rest <laughs> of the season to go. So the later, the better. And I think the Giants turned out to, this is good for them. So, you know, I know that the players all look at that when it come, when the schedules come out in April or so. They're looking at the when the buy is and obviously the away and the home games and when they are. But I think this is good for the Giants because of the injury situation. Guys are getting healthy, and this team now can, on paper, looks like it can go through the second half of the season and compete and have a chance. You can't get more equidistant, right, than when you have a Week 10 bye because you played nine games and now you have eight on the back end. So when you have a 17-game schedule, Jeff, this is the ideal bye because this is the exact middle point. And you're referring to, at least in the previous schedule, the earliest we saw bye weeks come into play were Week 4. And it's not fun when you have a Week 4 bye because you pretty much just started the season. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, you know, everybody gets an equal opportunity to get guys healthy during the bye week. But, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think if you looked at numbers, there's a lot less injuries that occur in those four games than you have at eight games, you know. So, you sure. know, collectively, it just kind of piles on. Um, but I, I think that, you know, this is something that the Giants also remember this. This is a Monday night game. They actually get an extra day in there. So it's like a buy in one week or one day, which is kind of good, too. <laughs> you know, so that it's... does make a difference when you talk about guys that are if there's discussions later in the week about when this guy can come back or how you're going to activate him. You actually have one extra day there that can can really help a team as far as their decision making. Yeah, because you have all day Sunday, which you wouldn't have had if you played Sunday. And yeah. you really have all day Monday, too, mm-hmm. if it comes down so to whole sort other of day. Like yeah, a, a game whole day because that game's at nighttime. So, you know, if it was a one o'clock game, you get, you know, you got to have you making decisions before that. But you're not one o'clock and Monday just doesn't exist. Maybe somewhere else, but not for NFL football. Well, and if you remember, Jeff, when they played the Monday night game against the Kansas City Chiefs a few weeks ago, Tony traveled with the team. He was listed as questionable, if you remember, going into that game. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that his status was very iffy, but once again, it gives you an opportunity. Hey, bring the guy on the road trip, work him out right earlier in the day or a few hours before the game, and then you can always make the decision to either activate him or deactivate him. You at least give yourself the flexibility under those circumstances. You also get a little bit more treatment time. You know, the guys wake up in the morning, they'll have some, they'll have a treatment session in the morning. They'll have another one in late morning, the early afternoon. I mean, those guys normally were only going to get one in the morning before a one o'clock game or a four o'clock game. So this is like, you know, just a blessing that these guys can actually get a little extra treatment and then, hey, let's go. Are you ready? And you go out on the field and run around and they can make a decision. So, um, but I think that you, you make a good point with the who travels will tell you a little bit more about how close they are to actually getting on the field or not, you know. So, so Yeah, so clearly optimism at least in the early stages of this week that they'll be getting back some of the weapons that were banged up before the bye. And remember, Kenny Galladay returned before the bye and assuming right. he didn't have any setbacks, you're expecting obviously him to be back in the mix. At least that was encouraging news. Now, the task at hand is a Tampa Bay team that you just had hit on earlier, Jeff. They have lost two in a row. They lost to the Saints. Then they had a bye week. Then they came back out of the bye week on Sunday, and they looked extremely rusty and out of sync against the Washington team. Tom Brady turned the ball over twice. He had three turnovers against the Saints. So he's had five turnovers in the last two games. And 
What do I always say, Jeff? Takeaways are great, right? But it's all about what you do with it. Well, Mm -hmm. the Saints and Washington cashed in on pretty much every single one of those takeaways. Washington scored a field goal and a touchdown. The Saints scored two touchdowns and a field goal. That was huge. I mean, that was a big turning point. Now, the Giants have been opportunistic, but once again, Jeff, you never go into a game saying, oh, well, Brady's got five turnovers in the last two games, so we're definitely going to get at least two to three. You can never go into a game thinking like that. But the reason why I'm emphasizing that is – When you see teams struggle, and we're seeing that across the board, right? The NFL landscape, there's really not a juggernaut. The standings are bunched together, Jeff. What's bringing a lot of these teams closer together is the turnover factor, the health factor, and I would say also just the lack of execution on a consistent basis. But similar to the Chiefs, if you look at the statistics for the Bucs, Jeff, you're going to see, A, a team that averages 31 points per game, third in the NFL. You're going to see a team that averages 406 total yards of offense. That's number one in the NFL. And then you're going to see another team that also leads the NFL in passing yards per game. The only blemish on their resume is the rushing attack. And we were talking about this on yesterday's program. They're really utilizing the running backs as part of the passing game, an extension of that. So my point is you can't read so much into the struggles over the last two weeks when I would point to the struggles are pretty much tied into not protecting the football and completely putting your defense in a very precarious spot. It doesn't have to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's anybody. It could be anybody. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. sure. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, we know about Washington and their defense. uh, They haven't been playing very well all season, but we know that the talent is there, and they stepped up against that Tampa Bay defense. And I I think you – you make the point, and we always do, about the turnovers and what you do with them. That's that's a big thing. Um, but, you know, when you look at the game, I got to, I was on a plane coming back from Florida this weekend, and I got to watch the game on um, on the red zone, and it was back and forth. But what I did see that the Washington team did was they rushed the football. They, they, they didn't – I mean, they barely made 100 yards, but they, they ran it a lot. And, you know, they had, over, they had 34 carries. And so they, you know, took some time off the clock and eliminated that offense that you just mentioned about Tampa Bay – you know, you're going to have to keep them off the field if you want to contain Tom Brady in that passing attack because, I mean, you just go down the line and, and look at the names that Tom Brady is throwing to. It's pretty impressive. Sure. Um, so, and then, you know, you gotta, you got to figure if, if Rob Gronkowski is going to be healthy to come back and play this week. Um, Antonio you know, Brown also has been banged up. Yeah. Yep. But on the flip side of it, I, I think, you know, rather than look at the, your opponent, you got to look at yourself and say, okay, listen, this is what we can do. Um, when our guys are healthy, and this is why how we put this team together, and offensively and defensively, I think the one thing that always scared me as a player um, was that if one side of the ball or both sides of the football or all three phases were playing very well, and then you went into a bye, that coming out of the bye that you that you kept that consistency. And I, I look at this defense, for example, how the last two out of three weeks they played well, actually maybe the last three weeks before the bye, they played pretty well. Yep. And, you know, can you continue that type of effort and that type of production from the defensive side? Because the way that this football team is made, it's let's not turn the football over. Let's run the ball. Okay. Make do some play action, but then our defense is going to keep us in games. And because this offense, as you know, is not, it may. Some people may think that it's built to score points. It's not. It doesn't score points. So you know, there's. So your defense, you've got to rely on, and that's what the Giants have been doing the last couple of weeks. And to win two out of their last three games, that's what's happened. So I think that when you go to Tampa Bay this weekend, 
on Monday night, excuse me, you're going to have to lean on this defense to do something to this Tampa Bay offense to stifle them a little bit because they're going to be coming in here like they're going to be PO'd. They, and I, sure. I mean, we know about Tom Brady, and I, we know that he doesn't lose a lot. Um, and I don't know if John brought this up on yesterday's show, but we were talking yesterday about it. You know, they, he does he doesn't lose. I think it's been once in his in his uh, has, career. Yeah, one time has he lost three games in a row, and you go way way back. To yeah, it was two thousand two. Correct. So that is that's kind of like a little bit scary. However, you know, this season as a whole, I know you talk a lot more about this the whole NFL, Lance, on your other shows. This has been a crazy season as far as teams getting upset weekly. You know, there's guys that just uh, – the teams that are just all of a sudden they don't show up. Now, I'm not counting on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not to show up this week, but I, what I am counting on is that the New York Giants will show up and compete and, get, and have a chance to win here, but it's going to be very difficult. Well, I wholeheartedly agree with you about the defense turning the corner over the last three mm-hmm. games. Third down defense vastly improved. They've been very effective in the red zone. Taking Both of those away. factors taking the ball away correct. So that would be the third factor. But getting back to your point about the offense, and I was looking through the numbers the other day, Jeff. They averaged 17.5 points per game last season. So that was mm-hmm. second last in the NFL. And it's something we talked about at nauseum all throughout the offseason, throughout the yeah, season. Now we. you look at the statistics this year. And I understand, listen, they've been plagued by injuries. I get that. Yeah. But what were we talking about, Jeff, during the offseason? We were talking about how much of a realistic boost you could get, right, in terms of your scoring offense. Some people were saying, could you score a touchdown more? And I said, I just I don't know if that's realistic. They're at 19.9 points per game, Jeff. So 17.5 to 19.9. Now, That's not a touchdown. <laughs> well, an absolutely. I was going to say, I also don't need to stress you out in terms of the math under those circumstances. Okay, that's the jump. We're at the midway point of the season, even more so than the midway point of the season, and we're only seeing a jump of two points, essentially, mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. If you're going to look for a surge in the second half of the season, to me the identity is going to be more on the defensive side of the ball and the offense just protecting the ball and not doing things that are going to come back to haunt them and bite them. And and this is bottom line. When I look at it as a whole, the offense, what is holding them back? It's the offensive line. It's the offensive line that they, they have – not been able to protect Daniel Jones because we know that Daniel Jones is very efficient at throwing the ball down the field. Okay, we have not seen that. He's got the players to do it, whether they're in the lineup or they're out of lineup on a weekly and weekend base, weekend and week out basis. But the fact is, is that he just doesn't have the protection. So now Jason Garrett is really kind of just redoing the offense in a sense of getting the ball out of his hands quickly. And so, and also we talk about the offensive line and the ability to run the football. Now, Booker, the last few weeks, has really shown that he can be a quality yeah. running back in this league. And, you know, and, and if Saquon was not here, um, he would be a very serviceable running back for any team at the way he's doing as long as he stays healthy and has that type of production. But, uh, you know, this offensive line has got to play better heading forward into the second half of the season because when they run the football, it changes everything. I don't care what team you are, but it changes the whole dynamics of your offense if you can run the football. And, you know, what they're having to do is 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 kind of, you know, change this offense a little bit around because they can't throw the ball down deep and then they have to rely on the run a little bit. But if your offensive line is not playing as good as they are, they're just not going to work. So, yeah. And then, by the way, I know you want to probably touch on this too, is that if you can't run the football and you get into the red zone, which the Giants are horrible at, 
you're never going to score points. You know? I mean, just look at last year, 17 points a game. But you know who was the leading scorer of this team was the kicker. Because Grand all Gano. he did was make thirty yeah. something field goals. It's like that's that's that immediately without saying anything, just go look at how many attempts your field goal kicker is making. That'll tell you how good your team is in the red zone. One hundred percent. And you know? to your point, you gotta be able to run the ball because you're in tight quarters. So Very you tight. can't space everybody out. Yeah. You have to have some semblance of a run game. Now you raise this point, and I want to piggyback off of it, mm-hmm. and it relates to perhaps the Giants trying to run the ball. Tampa Bay, Jeff, is number two in the NFL against the run. They're mm-hmm. only giving up just below 80 yards per game. There's a very strong front. Vita Vea, his status, I think, will maybe change that because he's so good and stingy, but they got Indomitian Sue. We know guys like JPP, those guys are effective in stopping the run, too, as they get to the quarterback, Shaq Barrett. But it's not an easy task, even if you want to run the football. And I want to go back to what you were talking about with the Washington game this past Sunday because it's important to point out, yes, Washington ran the ball a lot, and the stats weren't overwhelming, which is what you hit on. 34 mm-hmm. carries, 94 yards. Jeff, they only averaged 2.8 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they had two rushing touchdowns, and by them sticking to the run, it enabled them to put together lengthy drives. And more right. often than not, the lengthy drives, Jeff, finished with scores. Most important touchdowns. Yeah. For example, Washington had a 10-play, 46-yard drive that ate up nearly six minutes off the clock. Then in the second half, eight plays, 71 yards, ate up nearly four and a half minutes, touchdown. And then to close out the game, 19 plays, 80 yards, 10 minutes, 26 Ten minutes, seconds, Jeff. Yeah. Yep. Unbelievable. Well, look at the time of possession. It's 39.08 to 20.52. Yep. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the ball for 21 minutes of a game. That, that's ridiculous. It's like, sure. you know, so, yeah, and that drive um, – that you mentioned was the fourth. Was that fourth quarter? Fourth quarter. That was right? the fourth yeah. quarter. That was their very yeah. last offensive I, possession. Like I said, Correct. I was, yeah. I was, uh, I was on. Let's see, yeah, I was on the plane. I was watching it, and actually in the restaurant before we got on the plane, the game was on the regular channel, and then we had to leave, and then I, I caught the. So you're the, telling me you observed this game on land and in the air? Land and in saying. the air. Look at you, man. I wow. mean, technology is unbelievable. It's a beautiful By the way, thing. The, yes. the airlines have definitely upgraded their Wi-Fi because I was on the red zone. While we were flying, and very, I would say it worked 90, 90% of the time, which was outstanding. So, you know, I, other than coming back on a, I mean, I like my Sundays, whether we're working or we're not. But the fact is, is that if I'm not working on a Sunday, I surely want to watch football. I've said sure. this before. I'm a big yeah. Red Zone channel fan, a fan. And the first thing I did when we were coming back, from Florida this weekend, I looked at the plane and made sure it was an up, you know, not that I had a choice, but I was hoping that it was a, you know, a newer model, <laughs> you know, so that I get the Wi-Fi. And man, I hit a, I just, I mean, I hit it out of the park. It was outstanding. Before you know it, I was landing in Newark. It was two and a half hour flight, two and a half hours of football, no, and nothing better, you know. So it was a breeze. Time flies when you have it fun. But come I on, kinda, Jeff, let, yeah. let's be honest. They gave you a whole tour of the plane before you tested out the Wi-Fi. Come on. I mean, that's I mean, really we had how a thing. We, we even started so. the engines up to make sure that, <laughs> you, you know, everything exactly. was going to work. You made sure the electricity functioned yeah. accordingly for your seat, that yep. the Wi-Fi signal was actually extremely strong around your chair and your area specifically. Well, I'm sure that you I was needed a the, lot of wavelength for that. Yes. I was on the aisle seat, and so okay. I'm sure that the people behind me on the aisle seat or even in the middle seat, maybe to the left of me and over, were enjoying my red zone 
you know, free. Oh, so free. you're saying they were sneaking a look over your shoulder? Of course is what they you're were claiming. Absolutely. Okay. There you go. So see, you're a very equal opportunist individual. I, I am. You spread the I wealth. Share. Yes. I absolutely. There you go. In fact, That's very I even, nice of you. Yeah. I I even shared my uh, ear pods or whatever they're called. Um, that with my son Blake, who was in the middle seat, and so we wow, shared we okay. shared one and one. So, not only were we watching football, we were able to hear it through the earpods. So that's that's a good thing. too. Look at this. I mean, there's no better life than what you experienced. Nope. nope. And by the coming way, coming back from the, Florida, the, yes. The wedding that I went to this weekend was in uh, was in Palm Beach, Florida. I don't need to say anything else. That's <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it there. That yes, is, the life of luxury was on full oh display my for Jeff Eagles, wow. both coming and going. Yeah, and then uh, you now you resort back to the couch. I'm assuming this Sunday, right? Because there's no wedding festivities. Yeah, okay. well, you know, my I have um, because of COVID and just the thing the way things work with you know kids getting jobs, graduating college, this and that. Lance, I uh, as everyone knows, I have four boys. I have one that lives in the city and works in the city, so he's out of the house. But right, and then I have my son Zach, who's at Rutgers, who's in his final semester, who comes home on the weekends, and then the other two boys. So getting that couch is is kind of tough <laughs> i didn't take I mean, that into consideration you're right yes. yeah so there's i mean there are days when there is yeah. uh you know old man strength comes into effect <laughs> on sunday at, sunday at one o'clock i mean it's a battle of the the couch and you gotta mark your territory jeff come on you know i, I, mean, I that, try that's your house I mean, it's Zach, your kingdom. Yes. my youngest is the biggest of all of them and he's kind of tough to to move around a little bit but um <laughs> I threaten him with no money or food. Well, see, there you go. Those are fighting words. Yeah. The struggle is real in the Feagles household in case our listeners cannot put two and two together. Bottom line, though, the football is on. It's just a matter of where you're watching it. So, I mean, that's good. It's all good. Absolutely. Lance Meadow, Jeff Feagles with you here. On Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, looking ahead to the matchup Monday night against the Bucks. Also talking about some of the latest injury news regarding the team. Let's open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. We got Jason in New Haven joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Jason? Hello, Jason. Hey, hey fellas. How you guys doing? Good. We're doing all right. What do you got for us? Yeah, yeah. Long time no here. Um, uh, two things. Um, I know, I know I'm a little excited. I know most fans are excited about uh, potentially, we're not sure yet, potentially Barkley returning. Um, I will say this. Um, I still think we need to use Booker. And uh, to me, when we played the Raiders, I thought that last drive by Penny was outstanding, the way he ran the ball, starts hitting the holes hard, bouncing off the tackles. Um, I know most I mean, I know most fans want to see Barkley get the lion's share of the reps, but to me, those two have value as far as getting dirty yards, uh, maybe third and fourth down, goal line touches. Um, I don't think Barkley should be thrust back into taking 20 carries this week if he is active. Um, how do you guys feel about um, that statement? Well, if you look at the Denver game, not to say that this is as serious of an injury that he's returning because the Denver game was the first one from the torn ACL. In terms of workload, they gave him 10 carries in that game. Jason, and they didn't nearly have as many opportunities on the ground as they would have liked, and in addition to the 10 carries, Barkley had one catch, three targets, so he had 11 touches. I'm not saying that it's going to be identical, but I wouldn't expect them to thrust him right in the mix. I do think that Booker's been productive. I think he warrants more opportunities. Keep in mind, 
Jeff, remember, Eli Penny got opportunities late in the Raiders game because Booker got hurt with the hip injury, mm -hmm. and that's what put Penny in. I'm not saying that Penny didn't deserve some opportunities, but I just wonder if Booker's fully healthy down the stretch of that game. Something tells me we may have not even seen Eli Penny get those touches. I, I think that, you know, this team is pretty consistent when you look at the other players, how they kind of ease them back into games. And remember this, guys. We talk about game speed and practice speed, and, and you know, that's, that's a big difference. I mean, so uh, I, I think they will ease him back into this a little bit, maybe. Just, and it all depends on the severity of his injury and how he recuperates from it. But I think you have to kind of be a little bit um, careful of how much you put the load on him. But I feel sure. good about Booker. And them having a little bit of a rotational uh, stance there for both of those guys, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I, I was really impressed by Penny. Um, I'm not saying he's a starter-level running back. I'm not saying that. But situationally, I think he does have some value, uh, Elijah Penny. Um, two more that's things. why they kept him around, I'm telling you. Sure. They, that's exactly because you remember in preseason how many carries he got? He was getting a boatload of the carries in preseason. Right. And I think that that was kind of like, hey, show me kind of what you can do if we're going to give you these carries, and not to mention how much he plays on special teams. And that's how he made the roster. And it's well, and that's the key, Jeff, the special teams factor. I mean, yeah. I'm looking up his snap count. He's played 60% of the special team snaps. And Joe Judge was actually asked about this the other day because – he was told, listen, you have two fullbacks on your roster. Most teams don't even have one fullback. And he was asked, you know, why do you do that? And he said, well, it's because these guys could do a variety of things. We're not just looking at them as fullbacks. We're looking at them as special teamers, you know, coming in in situational football plays like the caller was just referencing. So all of those things add up. That's what justifies giving them a roster spot. But with that being said... He's only played 14% of the offensive snaps, and now you have Barkley back in the mix. It's natural to think that Barkley's going to eat away at some of Penny's opportunities on the field. Right, right. Okay, two more things, then I'll, I'll take it off to other callers to get a chance. Um, I don't know if this was aberration, but Mr. Quincy Roche, um, I'm not calling him our alpha pass rusher or nothing to that degree, but... Uh, I thought he played a hell of a game against the Raiders. That last play against Colton Miller, who I think is a top 10 left tackle in the league, that last play with the swipe and getting that bend um, to get the fumble on Carr, I thought was a – I mean, that's pretty much the play of the game, to be honest with you. And I, I'm kind of intrigued by him and Ojolari going forward. Um, I kind of want to see those two at the starters. And, of course, you know, you sub those guys in and out with Carr and Zimenez. But I think it's safe to say um, – Ojalari and Roche are probably our two outside linebackers going forward for the rest of the season. And then the last point, I definitely think we could beat Tampa. Now, I know it's going to be a tough game. They're definitely going to be motivated. They lost their last two. But our defense, the last two or three weeks, I think we're averaging. Now, I'm no Lance. You're pretty good with the stats. I think we've been letting allowing 13 points a game. I may be wrong. Um, now, Tampa Bay does still have a lot of weapons, but um, they haven't been running in all cylinders the last few weeks either. So, you know, maybe we get them at a good time and, you know, maybe we create a few turnovers and, you know, why can't we be camp and maybe start our little run? I think we're only like one game out of the wild card. Um, I may be wrong on that too, Lance, but I think we're only one Well, game the Panthers out of wild card. are five and five, so it's more than one game because the Panthers have two more okay. wins than the Giants. It's a game and a half. Okay. Yeah, in terms okay. of the wild card. Yeah. yeah. 
but it's not unsurmountable. Uh, sure, but uh, but I mean, listen, Jason. In fairness, if you look at the standings right now, everyone is within striking distance of a wild card spot, with the exception of the Detroit Lions. So that should tell you all you need to know about the state <laughs> of the <laughs> NFC. I mean, everyone, everyone on every other team's website is having the same conversation that we're having yeah, right now. Are. Okay, yep. because everyone's mathematically bunched together, essentially. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then one more point, fellas. I'm, I'm going to take it out off the air for this. Mr. Isaiah Wilson, now I know you guys are around the team more than the general fans are. Now, I'm not saying that he's ready to play. He's going to be a starter on the line or anything. But have you guys seen anything or have you heard anything as far as uh, him practicing or exhibiting in practice or maybe, you know, is he playing right guard, left tackle, right tackle? Um, I'm kind of intrigued by him also. Now, I know it's a chance that he might not work out because of some of the issues he's had in Tennessee. I'm sure he's made a lot of mistakes, and he's young, but hopefully he rejuvenates his career with us. Um, have you guys heard or seen anything from Mr. Isaiah Wilson? And uh, I'll take it off the air, fellas. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Hi, Jason. Appreciate yeah. the phone call. Um, um, real quickly, so I want to go back to Quincy Roche. I, I think here's a kid that is um, an up-and-coming player, okay? I think he's very young. I think that Patrick Graham and Coach Spencer have got him, uh, you know, doing the things that he needs to do and then building on those. Um, but I feel like his speed off the football and his physical play, I, I just like the way he plays. Um, obviously, outplayed the X-Man. Um, you know, Zimenez got a, basically a healthy scratch last two weeks ago. So I think he's he's kind of a guy that's, you know, to keep your eye on. And, I you know, what a big play he made against the Raiders. That was outstanding. Um, uh, Isaiah Wilson, I you know, Guys, we everybody needs to understand that we're we're not in the building anymore, so we don't get to see a lot of the practices, and um, all we do is hear and you know listen or read about the transcripts of, of interviews and stuff. A lot. At least this is me. I know that Paul and John are different. They're down in the building pretty much every day, but for uh, for our standpoint, I, I haven't heard much about it. I don't know about you, Lance, but I know he's a, he's he's a, he's. I hate to use the word project, but you know he has some things to do. I mean, he obviously has a lot of off-the-field problems that he needs to fix, and, and I think the Giants are, are hopefully going to be able to do that. And I think that he certainly has the ability. He was a number one draft pick, for God's sake. So uh, every team had him graded out to be that type of a player. Now it's just can he, can he stick around. And I don't know. Maybe they just keep him on the practice squad and, and, and develop him for the season. Well, and I think you hit it right in the nose, Jeff. I think he's more of a developmental player at this point. Yeah. Because I think that, A, he has a long way to go in terms of getting into shape, and he's made progress in that department. Actually, during the bye week, they were really focusing on working with him and some of the other younger players because that was beneficial for them, given the fact that you have a brief break of the season, you could get those guys more reps in practice. He was one of those guys involved. But, you know, once again, he wasn't in the best shape when he joined the team a few weeks ago, so he's still working through that. And the other thing is, listen, regardless of where he was drafted, Jeff, we're talking about a player that's played in one game since he was <laughs> drafted. That? One game, Isn't that's that it. amazing? Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So the sample size of him being in a football game against NFL players is, I mean, almost non-existent. That's why I think when you said he's a developmental player, 100%. I think if you're looking for an impact from Isaiah Wilson, I think it's more of assuming he's still here, it's more of a 2022 conversation exactly. than it is a 2021 exactly. conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And how many times have, have you seen that the Giants basically got a free number one draft pick? I mean, when you think about that, the guy played one game. So um, 
and and it's a lot easier for us to talk about the off the field pro stuff, but evidently this young man there's, there's he's had some problems and and we hope that he overcomes them and because he's got a heck of a future ahead of him if he can prove that he can he can go go and take care of those things because a lot of times as players I know that there's things that happen off the field sometimes that you can't you can control or you can't control that carries over into your daily functions as a professional football player you got to have you got to have focus and if you don't have that focus off the field and a lot of times I know I was very fortunate because my wife and and my kids they all understood exactly what I needed to do to succeed and they allowed me to do those things and that's kind of a lot of times where guys get in trouble you know they just don't understand what it takes to be a professional football player and what I mean by a professional meaning you're getting paid this is your job you know, it's no longer like, you know, you got to show up at 530 in the morning and do up downs because you got in trouble. And this is, you know, everybody's not the same when you get at this level. You need to produce and you need to behave yourself and you have to act like a professional. So I just hope the guy can do it. And if he if he can kind of resurrect his career, if he will, as it's been a short one. But the Giants certainly can can benefit from that big time. Well, and the beauty of the current structure of NFL rosters is yeah. you keep them on the practice squad. You don't have to put them on the active roster. Let's face it. I don't really think the Giants are concerned that somebody's going to come in and make a claim. I was just going to say, yeah, I'm not really – yeah, I don't think so – And by the way, if they him, did, they got to start them. I'm not starting them, but they got to put them on the – Well, he's got to eat up a roster, roster spot. Correct, yeah. exactly. So that's more of a reason why I think they have him in the perfect the position. Yeah. yeah. You develop him. You work with him. You get him back in football shape. He learns your system. And then depending on how your roster plays out beyond 2021 – you have a conversation about maybe where you see him fit. Yeah. Now, listen, if an injury emerges and they need to call him up because of, once again, the urgency of the situation, would I rule that out? No, but I think as it stands right now, the options they have on the offensive line, I think they're more than comfortable in working with the guys right now that have received starting experience and have been getting the first team reps as opposed to rocking the boat with a developmental player. That's at least my interpretation, yep. how I see it. The other thing I wanted to emphasize based on what the last caller brought up they are giving up just 13 points per game over the last three because they've allowed 39 so that is an accurate assessment but as far as the point about Jeff and you know we've had conversation on this topic you've been in locker rooms you're a former player the whole mindset of an opponent you know are you getting them at the right time and it was brought up well the Bucks are losers of two straight so this is the ideal circumstance as opposed to if they won two straight here's the bottom line if you look at the NFC standings right now Jeff I said everyone on the bottom is bunched together. Everybody on the top is bunched together, too. Look at this. Green Bay and Arizona are both 8-2. and two. Dallas is 7-2. and two. The Rams lost last night. They're 7-3. and three. And then Tampa Bay 6-3. and three. Tampa Bay right now is only a game up on the New Orleans Saints for the division lead in the NFC South. And, oh, by the way, the Saints beat the Bucs already head-to-head. So the point is the level of urgency for the Bucs, whether they won – against Washington or they lost against Washington to me is the same Jeff because the margin for error is so minute because unlike in the NFC East the Cowboys are four games up in the loss column on the next three division rivals you look at Green Bay is three losses up on the Vikings there's a lot more cushion in those divisions than what Tampa Bay and the NFC West is operating with so I don't buy the philosophy oh it's better to be getting this team off a win or a loss the urgency is still overwhelming for the Bucks because they've got some stiff competition in that division they're not running away with things this year and the urgency for the Giants to play well and win is also there so 100 I mean, yeah. um you know and they're sitting with just just three wins but 
when you look at the bottom of the the you know the NFC, listen, I mean these guys are it's all packed in. I mean there's it's you never know, you never know what can happen. And if this team plays any way like they did last season at the end of the end of the year, that that would bode well for them, you know. So I think the big thing for the Giants is that you have to just. Just look at your own team. Don't look at who you're playing. Obviously, you do when you're game planning, things like that. But, you know, you got to take care of your own business. And yep. um, you never can look ahead as a, as, a, as a 53 guys in that roster. You're never looking ahead. You're looking at the game that's coming up and how to beat that opponent. And really, what helps you beat your opponent is not beating yourself. And that's what this Giants team has continued to do this season. When you look at the three games they've won, look at all the other games that they've lost. And, man, it makes you sick makes you sick to your stomach what this team could be sitting at the bye as far as wins and losses if they had just not beat themselves. The penalties, the The, inability to finish drives late in games, get off the field. There's a variety of different factors, right, that we've talked about. But Oh, how about this? How about this one just real quickly? How about two things, Um, offensively and a defensively side? Okay, defensively, how about not letting them score before they go into halftime? Okay, that's a big one. And then offensively, Right? I mean, how about just uh, all you got to do is is oh, I lost my train of thought on the offensive side of it. I know the defensive <laughs> one was just don't See, don't let anybody so score. excited about oh, the point. I know what it was. Yeah. Uh, the Giants defense gives you the football. Go do something with it. I mean, look at those first like six games. It's like you got what they get nine points out of how yeah, what yeah, if, you know that what it is nine points correct? Yeah, yeah. so off eleven takeaways. That's. That is like that's what I'm talking about. Like going forward, like if the Giants' defense keeps taking the football away, they've done it every game. You know, you got to go and and put some points on the board and do something with those turnovers, right? And so, yeah. um, that's important. So I think that if you take those and I promise you, this last week, Lance, with the bye, this is what these guys are looking at. The coaches are showing the players that this is this is the formula for us to win going forward. And it's a self-scout. And the coaches, so what a lot of people don't understand is that most teams' offensive staff will coach the defense and vice versa. They're going to say to the defense, if I'm an offensive staff member, they're going to coach the defense like this is what I see from your defense that I'm game planning if I'm game planning against you every week. And so they, the takeaways are even. You know, the, the offense will look at the defense, the defense will look at the offense and the special teams. They break everything down and then they go and try to make improvements. And that's what you got to do with this team going forward. This team has a chance if they stay healthy and they don't beat themselves. You know, this could be a good second half for the for the New York Giants. As far as your point about the takeaways, look at the last game against the Raiders, Jeff. They had yeah. three takeaways, but the defense scored on one of them. Right, mm-hmm. McKinney had the touchdown, that's so right. you didn't have to worry about whether or not your <laughs> offense anything. was going to do it for you. With it. You just did it for them, which was fantastic. But keep in mind, if we eliminate the defensive touchdown, which it's fair to do, that means that the offense was responsible for 16 points in oh, the win just, against yeah. the Raiders. Right right, right underneath their, their average around 19. Correct, so. exactly. So you're coming off of the Raiders' win, but you're still saying to yourself, if McKinney doesn't get that defensive score, well, who knows how that game turns out. And think about what it took. It took the Quincy Roche strip sack when the Raiders were knocking on the door in the red zone. And they could have potentially been in position to tie that game and go to overtime. So nothing has come easy for the Giants this season, whether we're looking at it through an offensive lens or a defensive lens. And that's more of a reason why second half of the season you can't afford, which is what you were getting to, Jeff, to shoot yourself in the foot 
And then secondly, when your defense does capitalize, your offense needs to provide that complementary feel, which has not been consistent for the first nine games of the season. Yeah, and we like to use that complementary football term a lot when we can. We've only been able to use it a few times this season, and I would like to use it a lot more going forward because that's how you win football games. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Let's check in with Phil in North Carolina, joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Phil? Hey, guys. Hi, um, Phil. Thanks for taking my call. It's good to, good to hear you guys. Um, the, um, a couple of things. One is, you know, I am of the philosophy of, of value picking in the draft, and I think, you know, we got cut, you know, we over, it seemed like this last year, we over, emphasize the cornerback and the wide receiver room and, you know, could have used a few more assets for the, the O-line. Um, I know we got caught, um, you know, short with the re- two retirements, but, and that certainly was a factor, but I think we were look. I mean, always, always having like a defensive, t- not always, but a middle round offensive Lyman, I'm a big believer of that, like continuously replenishing that. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, keep in mind, they wound up acquiring a pair of offensive linemen before the season started to make up for some of those losses. And Billy Price is still a relatively young guy, and the same thing with Ben Bredesen. So I think sort of your point is countered a little bit because of what they did to try to offset some of those injuries and issues that arose. Yeah, I agree. True. True. Okay. Um, and I guess the other thing is my assessment of Daniel Jones is that I think he still needs to work on his processing speed. And, uh, I, you know, I think it's improving. You know, I think it's been improving. And even last year, I know the stats were down, but there was moments I thought his processing were be- was better. But I think that's, you know, they, they've been remarking how uh, Jones uh, in um, New England, the other Jones, Max has really super fast, yeah, processing speed for a rookie, and I think Daniel is, in, you know, increasing his or, or decreasing the processing speed, and I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on that as well. So, okay, thanks, guys. Well, well, before you go, wait, 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 yep. as far as processing speed, are you talking about just reads as far as down the field, like his that progression, or what? Elaborate just yes. a little bit more. Yes, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. it just just kind of seeing what the defense gives him, and don't you know you know I know the last couple of games he's getting it out pretty fast, sure out of necessity uh but I think there's there may be a few times when he has the opportunity i think if he if he didn't go to that first read he went to you know he try to speed up his process and get to the second read, there may be a few more deeper opportunities. I know that was a discussion yesterday with the the fellow from Minnesota. And well, uh, because I think our, you just answered. Just... I think you just answered your own question. Actually, <laughs> I really do because I I, I think okay. that when you look at the way that Daniel Jones and what the, the hand that's been held, dealt to him is that he has to get the ball out of there quickly, so he doesn't have time to go through his progression. So I, I feel like if he can get to his second read and possibly maybe his third, um, he'll do it. But I feel like that Jason Garrett is telling him. You know, one and two, and then you need to get rid of the ball, or you just need to start running. You know, so and that just falls on the on the offensive line. And I think that you know, collectively, it all when you look at it, how it's supposed to work, when you have an offensive line that can give the quarterback some time. And by the way, you can design plays to give the quarterback more time 
and then then he should be able to get through his his reads and his progressions. But that's not always the way the Paul, excuse me, that the um, the play is designed. You know, so I think that I, I still believe that it always comes. But this is just me now. I, I still think that running the football predicates itself on so much to be able to do as a quarterback because if I can rely on the run I can now rely on play action which now gives me more time to do things but if I don't have a consistent running game then I'm not going to be able to do any of that stuff and that's to me is the culprit of this offense is that the offensive line has not played well enough to be able to consistently run the football on a day in and day out basis that's it yeah, get in there. Yeah, especially in the red zone. Especially in the red well, zone. Well, that's right? so. uh, absolutely. Which was, if you've been listening to the program, Lance yeah. and I have been talking about their scoring average, and and that just tells it that tells you the story right there. I mean, it's it's right. really you can't win many games in the National Football League today. And by the way, when you go up against these teams like the Rams and the Cowboys and the Buccaneers that score in the 30s, and I mean, I mean, look at the Raiders; they were putting up points too. So sure. Um, you got to be able to score points. And Phil, appreciate the phone right. call. Thanks yeah, thank so much you, for sure. weighing thank in. You guys. I think that the Giants have done things to help Daniel Jones's decision making and his process. For example, we saw games, Jeff, where they were moving the pocket, mm-hmm. and I think that enabled Daniel to be protected number one better and get rid of the football. I think his internal clock has improved in terms of just realizing, hey, 100%. nothing's happening here. Either get rid of the football, start running, as you mentioned, as opposed to putting yourself in a precarious spot to take the sack. I think that's the other reason why the turnovers are down. So, you know, it's been a combination of factors, but this goes back to the caller was alluding to a conversation we were having yesterday on this program, the reason why why there haven't been a lot of deep passes or a lot of opportunities. It goes back to, Jeff, what you were talking about with the offensive line. Specifically, I referenced the game last week in week nine when they played the Raiders, and you had Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. And yeah. remember, matchups are going to dictate. hanging on the ball dictate. with those guys. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. Well, but what I'm getting at, Jeff, is matchups are going to dictate the game plan on offense and what you expect out of your quarterback. So, for example, there were games this season, Jeff, where they may have said to Daniel, Daniel, you're probably going to have a little bit more time to assess the field and get to a few other reads because this team is not very powerful up front. They don't have two premier pass rushers. We think our offensive line can handle that. And then when you go into a game against the Raiders – they're going to tell you, you don't have those luxuries that you had the previous week. You better get rid of the football. So I think what you can't dismiss is the philosophy is going to change for Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones depending on who they're playing. So, for example, let's apply it to this Monday night game, Jeff. Okay? Okay, sure. They're going to go up against – now, I don't know if Vita Vea is going to play. Let's operate that he is going to play. Okay? You got Vita Vea and Ndamukong Sue up front. Those two guys are very good at not just stopping the run. They're very good at collapsing the pocket from the interior. Sure. Then you've got to worry about Shaq Barrett and JPP on the edges. So you're talking about you've got four guys up front that could all get after the quarterback and all stop the run. This is a game you have to get rid of the football. You do not want to put the offensive line in a position – where you are surveying the field for three to four seconds because I think that's going to give Tampa Bay an opportunity to be ultra-aggressive, and if they get a lead in this game, then you know Todd Bowles, based on what he's done in the past, if he knows he can get home with his front four without blitzing, good luck because that's exactly what they did to Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Well, 
I'm looking at the box score from last week's game against the Washington. So, listen, I, let's let's compare. I mean, can we compare the Washington football team offensive line and the Giants offensive line? I mean, are they comparably dissimilar? Are they? I mean, they're not. They're both not great. No, right? I think there's question marks on both units. I think that's fair. So if I look at the box score. I know score, what number you're going to bring up. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what so, number. Go ahead, yes. I, go, I'll, I'll just say it. Um, and by the way, w- one of the guys you mentioned, Sue, had a sack. But one of the guys you didn't mention was Devin White because, by the way, Todd Bowles will bring pressure. And when sure. he does, you got to walk out for Devin White, who had two sacks last week. So this is a team that had five sacks last week. So let's compare the week before against the Raiders when you have the two guys that you mentioned, I, the game plan is going to be very similar. We're going to get the ball out. We are going to get the football out of Daniel Jones's hands. But once again, can we run the football? And that will help us. And I think that you know you, this is why it's a week-to-week league, a week-to-week game plans. I mean, every week it changes a little bit here and there. But to your point, Lance, is that every week you, your game plan has to change upon matchups and it, it doesn't get any easier this week against this defense, which by the way is, you know, they're going to be, not only is Tom Brady mad, he's mad at himself because he threw two, two interceptions. He got called out by his head coach. They got 10 points. Or how did you say 10 points off those turnovers? And Correct, so yes, a touchdown. And a so field that, that, that in itself will, will drive Tom Brady crazy to the point where he probably will only get two hours of sleep for the next five days. Okay. <laughs> but the, the Washington team put up 29 points against a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that defense is really good. That's kind of a, a hornet's nest if you ask me. So I'm more worried about the Tampa Bay Bucks defense being all PO'd than I am Tom Brady. And so, you yeah. know, you, that's to our argument here that what we're talking about, just analyzing the game. I, that's, that's something the Giants offense is going to have to be. They're going to have to be up to the task to stop this defense. Well, and it goes back to the reason why Brady's going to be irritated is with those turnovers, Jeff, look at the position he put his own defense in. He threw a pick. Washington took over at the Tampa Bay 28. I mean, think about that. You're asking an offense to – they don't have to solve the riddle for 80 yards. They've got to – at least maybe they don't even have to move. Actually, they could kick a field goal from the Tampa Bay 20. <laughs> yeah, you so automatically you, you got basically, three points. Normal. Yeah, you yeah. spotted them three points right there. Okay, let's go to the next interception. He then threw another pick. It was on back-to-back possessions. Tom Brady threw a pick. He handed the ball to Washington at the Tampa Bay 46. So once again, you get 10 yards. Yep field goal and they wound up scoring a touchdown so the point is that's why I keep going back to the turnovers Brady gave gifts to Washington short in the field put the defense in a tough spot and that's why they should be angry at each other because think about this Jeff when you lose 29-19 you lose by 10 points what did I just tell you they scored off of the turnovers bingo there's the ball game right there yep yep and that's simple math by the way 29 minus 10 is 19 19 plus 10 is 29. There you go. Good job, We're not Lance. trying to make things very convoluted today. <laughs> Please don't. On this program. Yes. Please don't. It's, it's not calculus. It's, this it's, is basic geometry. It's okay? difficult enough. Okay. Yes. Don't, don't make anything more difficult for me. Please. Thank 100%. You. Let's head back to the phone lines as we move forward here on Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Len is in Columbia, Maryland. What's happening, Len? Hi, Len. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. All right. What do you got for us? Rest in peace, Sam Huff. Absolutely. Had a great uh, phone call yesterday. A fella called in, and it was really uh, a nice call about Sam. And and Paulie got a chance to uh, 
expound a little bit and uh, talk about his relationship with Huff, and it was, it was quite good. If, if, if I may, though, I'd like to add a couple of things, if, if you'll allow me. Sure. What do you um, it's impossible to underestimate the impact of Sam Huff, not just on the Giants, but on the city, on the NFL. Um, I mean, it was a period of time when he got here in 1956, uh, when football was well, it was popular, uh, but not not the great sport of the city. I mean, the Yankees, out of a ten-year period of time, during, while Huff was here, eight of those years, the, the Yankees went to the World Series nine out of ten years. So the fall was usually reserved for it. But Huff made an impact, and and it was just it was a, it was a growth era for pro football. It was about a fifteen-year period in time, starting in '56, when it just was. Uh, I mean, it just was amazing to be hanging around the city and to follow the Giants. Now, make no mistake, there were other terrific players on the Giants, but there was something about Huff um, that that drew people uh, to him and to the Giants and to professional football. And uh, it, it was just it was just a great period. And um, he's. He's a Rushmore-type guy in terms of uh, Giants history. I'd put him in top ten all-time Giants players. Maybe part of the second five, but he's definitely um, top ten. But, you know, the program, and I know you've probably read about it, the Walter Cronkite narrative narrated uh, The Violent World of Sam Huff. Uh, if you haven't seen it, Google it, 1960, a wonderful program where they followed the Giants, mostly Sam. Uh, around a week leading up to a preseason game, and then of course those three, three games in '58, '59, and '60 where, uh, I'm sorry, '58 uh, and '59, uh, but but particularly in '58 with, uh, you know, two games against the Cleveland Browns at the end of the year, and uh, one being a playoff game, and then the great game against the Colts, and he was just so prominent. In, in all of those games, just just a great giant. Many memories. Anybody who lived through it, Jeff. I was I was in high school and college. Went to college in the city, so I was in high school and college for all those years. It was just just a great time to be well, a sports a good, man. You had a good run being in the city in those those uh, years. Oh my you? goodness! Oh my <laughs> goodness! Between that between that and the Yankees, yeah, um, And ju- just a quick sidebar before I get on to Sunday's game, if you'll allow me. Um, you know they didn't they didn't keep track of tackles. In those days, so it's hard to find out how many tackles Sam actually had, but there were a heck of a lot of them. And of course, he had a lot of interceptions too. At, you know, big number seventy. And yeah, he had thirty interceptions. That was just about the time yeah. when he got traded to Washington. Um, in my opinion, second worst trade in Giants history. But when he got traded to Washington, I went to I got to I went to graduate school in Washington. So Sam was there for the five or six years that. He played for the Skins, and then he was a broadcaster. So Sam has <laughs> essentially been part of my life since te- you know, you know since I was a teenager. And um, I just just uh, again, you can't underestimate the impact of, of the guy. Heck of a player, and uh, he will, that's he why he's be... been enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, yeah. and he's part oh, of the nineteen yeah. fifties yeah. All Decade Team. So he certainly has gotten his due within NFL archives. There's no doubt about that. Yep. Yeah. What, uh, what else you got hey, for us quick, in terms of the game? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Quick. Quick. Uh, quick point on Sunday's game. Oh my goodness, this is going to be tough. Um, you know, Lance, you, you threw out the names Sua and Via. 
Uh, oh, boy, I don't know how that offensive line. Those guys are so big and strong. Um, you, you know, Lance has heard me say this before, Jeff. I don't know if I ever mentioned it to you. I just think we don't match up well against 3-4 defenses. We, we just can't handle the size, the strength, the, the power of those guys in, in the middle. It's going to be tough to run. But listen, we've gone down to Tampa and won games before. Well, Daniel Jones so, had one of his best games ever. Against man, you, you give him, you, you listen, you give him a game plan, you, you get on the plane, you ask him to execute, and you go down there and win a ball game. 100%. I, I can't wait. Nothing, nothing like Monday Night Football. Yeah. Nothing like Monday Night Football. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. All right, Larry. Giants. Thank Appreciate you for the phone call. I, I agree. Any, any team in the National Football League can win a game. I don't care if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have lost two in a row, okay? That, yeah, does it have a little bit of, uh, you know, the team that, that lost two games? Yeah, they're they're pissed off a little bit. But you know what? This is professional football, and you got to, you know, you're you're expected to go out and play and win games. And this is a this is a, a really big task for the Giants to go on the road, but they've had two weeks to prepare for this team, and they're getting healthy. So, you know, the only excuse, I guess, would be that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have lost two games in a row, and... Tom Brady's only done has only lost three games in a row one time in his career. Yeah, but you know what? Go down and win a game. If you want to become a good football team, these are the type of teams that you need to win to prove that you can beat other teams, you know, on your schedule. And then people will start taking you more serious. Well, and if you want to entertain the idea of staying relevant within that wild card conversation, the way you make some headway is you also win some games that people don't expect you to win. And you also win games in the NFC. Sure. Well, I mean, that goes, of course, from a tie-breaking perspective. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, Yeah. not to take away, and Jeff, you bring up a good point, not to take anything away from the Raiders' win, but that one doesn't carry nearly as much weight as potentially what they're looking at with Tampa Bay and some of the upcoming NFC games because, to your point— that when it comes down to tiebreakers, if we have a bunch of teams down the stretch, Which that Raiders win, happen. yeah, that Raiders win is irrelevant essentially because yeah. they don't take that into consideration. The AFC yeah. opponents, it's more of it, the common NFC opponents. Yeah, I guess yeah. unless you got another team that's very close to the schedule that you played, and you know you have similar wins and losses and strength of opponents and who you, I mean, yeah, th- I want to beat the NFC teams. That's what what I need to do. And this is one on the schedule coming Monday night. So on the road. Um, Great place to play, by the way. Uh, the weather is awesome. and <laughs> I figured you'd start there. Yes. You know, I mean, the only thing that happens down there is it rains a lot. So, um, But other than that, it's, it's not a cold rain like Seattle. I mean, that, that place is a, just ridiculous this time of the year. <laughs> I, I would tell you, Something one, tells you the, you wanted to play in Tampa Bay at some point, Jeff. <laughs> That's what I'm point, connecting listen, here. At, and I don't, you know, I, most of my career I played in really bad weather places, and I guess that's just what made me, I guess, appreciate the, or the team appreciate how good of a job I did, I guess. But I tell you, the one year in Seattle uh, with the 10 game, two, two preseason games and the eight home games, rained every day. Every 10, 10 times that year, we had a, <laughs> a, it rained every home game that season. And you talk about miserable. When it comes like this time of the year, like late October and November, um, 39, 38 degrees, raining, never stops, cold. There's no reprieve there, you know? Beautiful summers, but the winters are horrible. (laughs) 
I didn't think we were going to be breaking down weather with you. I, I don't know the why I went the there. I don't know why there. I went there. That's yeah, I'll fine. Tell you why Listen, I, I got no problem. It's, I, it's refreshing hearing just, somebody else discuss weather. Well, it's because I just came back from Florida where it was like people were complaining that it was 65 degrees there. Like it was, you know, they had the Duraflame logs in their, in their fireplaces. And, you know, I'm out there with no shirt on and running around like crazy, man, <laughs> because it's 65 degrees. And people are looking at me. That's why, because it was so beautiful. You know, and now I'm, I'm looking here and. I'm not a cold weather guy, Lance. I grew up in Phoenix. I went to school in Miami. This Understandable. Is, okay. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll cut it off from there. Sorry. No, I completely follow. Listen, <laughs> I'd be surprised if you said, you know what? I absolutely love the winter. So, uh, well, there um, are people that do love the winter. I don't understand their, their mindset, but I'm not well, going to Listen, I'm one of those them. people, Jeff, yeah. and you don't understand my mindset, so no. that's understandable too. Okay, and good. the crazy part about it is I'm a summer guy. I was born in the summer, but I yeah. like the winter. I like the cold. And you're just, a small guy. I would think that you would get cold very quickly. You know, well, so it's fat you know, guys I, like me. I, that, you I think know. looks could be deceiving. I, I think there's some, you know, <laughs> insulation that you're not giving me enough credit for. But, you know, I just I like to. Here, here's my question that I pose to everybody. If you had the choice, would you rather be sweating you know what off mm -hmm. or would you rather be cool but comfortable enough no, that I, you can embrace the cold? Well, no, see, I don't think you're I don't think. No, no, it's because cool. And and no, there's you're not giving the extremes enough. Okay, would okay, you so rather be? You know what I'm saying? Cold. Okay, yeah, so, like, so like your hands, it, like your hands are like purple, cold, like that cold. Well, all right, you're really going to the extreme. I mean, I guess I'm going at <laughs> if I were to tell you, you'd have to live in for like two to three months where it's consistently 45, 40 degrees in that ballpark. Yeah. Okay. You that you wouldn't. That nope. you couldn't deal with. Nope. You're telling me. I mean, what do you mean can't deal? I deal with it. I live here. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. No. So, so, but that, so that, that's – see, like I could digest that. For two to three months, I could yeah. digest 40 to 45-degree weather. But but it's not too it, – yeah, well, I think we're hypothetical. It's more than that. I mean, well, we get, but remember, we get you December, know, January, February, March, and but, even you know, April. But February and March sometimes could be sort of unpredictable months in fairness, even in this area, yeah, in the cold, New York, New Jersey area. Cold, 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 yeah. No, I'm I'm sweating. My, you know what? Off. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I know. See, that I, I don't can, like that option. That's I can why. Dip in and get the air conditioner going. <laughs> you know, and and that's fine. But I, I feel like you know, I'm in my fifties, so you know things start to hurt a little bit more when that when you hit the fifth floor, and so the warmth actually feels good. Okay. Well, see, now you're really <laughs> selling it. I wasn't going as deep as you. I was just giving you the extreme options. Now you uh, talked about. And you I'm know, sure there's people on, that are listening to this. Probably not many, but whoever is, they're agreeing with me. I'm telling. Oh, I'm you. sure they are. Well, listen, I know I'm probably in the minority, and that's fine. Listen, I have no problem being on an island all by myself. Although you know what, Lance, I, so. I don't think you are in the minority. I, I would imagine if we took some stupid poll like this that. It, it would get be pretty close. I think. Well, that see, that's what social media is for, yeah, Jeff. That, you should on Twitter put up a poll and ask America if they would prefer being freezing cold or whether they would prefer to be boiling hot and okay, sweating. So nonstop. first of all, for me to attempt to put up a poll on Twitter, <laughs> that would be, would be a that, challenge. In that itself. would. <laughs> yes. Okay. I know. It might, it might become. It might be spring by the time I figure. <laughs> Maybe somebody else can do that for us. That would so be what you're saying answer. is by the time you put the poll up, you will not be experiencing the two <laughs> options of weather that would be thrown out in the poll. Well, listen, in fairness, just to put a nice bow on this conversation, I just looked up the weather Monday night in Tampa. And Let it me is guess. supposed to be – oh, you want to guess? Yeah, All right, I, I will guess. throw it out. The high, the high that night will be 68 degrees, okay? and that, that's, It's game time. It's, you know, 8 o'clock game, 68. You're close. You're in the ballpark. All right. Am I high or am I low? No, you're a little high. 
under oh, the circumstances. Really? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, the it's actually are gonna it's not going to be as warm there. as I anticipated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're going to I mean people are going to show up with, you know, their hoodies and I mean that's going to be may, unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 65? Well, the, no, what it's being listed as and I don't have the specific high, but they said that at night and night could be determined based on, you know, what time you're looking at. But I think they have here 8.09 p.m. So that's right around kickoff. They have it at 58 degrees at 8.09 p.m. on hey, Monday this, night. This is an advantage for the Giants. They're going <laughs> – they're cold-weather team. Yeah. <laughs> Those so there you Floridians go. down there, 58 degrees. Oh, my God. They're – they're going to Walmart and they're buying boxes of those warm, those hand warmer things. You know that you open them up and the little, uh, it's gonna be freezing for them. Good. Actually, my my favorite temperature to play was 65 degrees. So I'll just say that that was to me was a perfect temperature. There you go. Well, it's gonna be a little bit cooler than that, according to at least the initial. All right, so you put some sleeves on. I, I would weather. be wearing sleeves. There you go. Yes. I was 58. I'm wearing sleeves. I'm not one of those guys that's gonna be a tough guy and go out there without sleeves on. Like the guys did in the in Lambeau and the in the NFC Championship, I don't know how they did that. It was so <laughs> cold that they have no no shirts on. Like long, like what are you doing? I, I'm not doing that. So, yeah, I don't envy those people. They were doing that actually for the Seattle game. I was watching. There were a few guys warming up pregame because it snowed earlier in the day yeah. in Wisconsin, and I think it was AJ Dillon who was just running around with uh, no shirt on. Yeah, and okay. uh, yeah. yeah, well, good. Uh, that's, yes, that's good luck. Good, good luck to that. Have fun. Yep. Yeah. I, I remember that. I remember the NFC Championship. My hands were so cold that I, I couldn't even punt in pregame, and I went into the locker room and put my hands underneath the hot water, and I thought they were going to fall off. I was so afraid that somebody <laughs> did something to my hands that wasn't going to be able to play the rest of the game. I, forget the cold weather, Lance. You can have it. You can have my okay, cold weather. I will gladly take it. Yes. Okay, I will gladly it. take it. Like all I right. said, you could save all the cold weather for me, Jeff. Great. You I will it. leave it at that. All okay. right. That is going to wrap up Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll be up and running again on Wednesday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. We continue to set the stage for the Monday night game between the Giants and the Bucks. Jeff, always enjoy the conversation. Thank you, Look forward to yep. doing it again. You got it later this week. Appreciate all our callers and everybody weighing in on the program as well. For Jeff Fiegels, I am Lance Meadow. A reminder that today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you on Wednesday. Have a good one.